0: and felicitations welcome to the chairland chronicles i'm not dead yet i'm your host ben hur well interesting song because tonight is monday night november the 2nd and uh interestingly enough i had a very weird monday i'm going to share that i had two events i'll cover the first one right now then the second one will be the, the next segment but also, that's a very interesting song, the Who's "We Won't Be Fooled Again," uh, because tonight is election eve. Is election eve? Uh, we just got past Halloween, which was rather uneventful because of the COVID, and now we are going to. We're doing election eve right now. Tomorrow is Tuesday, November third. What they call Super Tuesday. Where everybody goes out to vote for their candidate, either Joe Biden or the President Donald J. Trump. I myself already voted. I voted last week during the early voting period, just to avoid the crap that was um, that's that's going to happen tomorrow, pretty much. Uh, when I voted in 2016, there was a line. There was no fighting. There was no arguments. But I'm pretty sure somewhere tomorrow I'm gonna to see on the news a fight breaks out at a polling station because things just got overheated but I'm a, I'm digressing a little bit let me get back to the gist the reason that song's playing we won't be fooled again is because they keep fooling us at clinic they uh I don't know I'm just it just seems to happen more often than not and uh I get to clinic today. It's 5.30 in the morning. And the waiting room is full. As full as it can be for COVID. Because they have every other chair taped off. So you can't... So you either have to wait in the lobby or wait outside. I went in, sat down. I didn't even ask. What the reason was for the hold up. And I pretty much know the answer. Somebody didn't show up. So... I'm making small talk with one of my chairmates, Ms. Jones, and we're, she's talking about the election. So I, I feel free to, to share my views. I mean, I'm, I'm not shy about that. And then I notice to my left, out of my peripheral vision, I see Terry, the nurse, uh, standing there, clipboard in hand. Doesn't even offer an uh, an excuse for why we're backed up. She just simply, simply simply starts talking about, do you want to reschedule? Does anybody want to reschedule? So she was directed directing the talk at me because I was the one doing the talking. And she said, do you want to reschedule? And I was like, no. If I leave here today, because you're obviously not going to get me in any time before 6 o'clock. It's already 5.45. Uh, I will come back on my next appointed day. I, I don't reschedule. I come back... If you can't take me today, I'll come back on the next day, which is going to be Wednesday. Two others rescheduled. That's their, you know, that's their business. I don't, I don't tell people how to run their lives. You know, I know, I know my body. I know how I'm going to deal with it. So I went home. Now, when I came home, I waited till eight o'clock, and then I called the state to complain that this happens more often than not. Uh, Ever since Albert, the facility administrator left back at the end of September, this never this rarely happened because uh, Albert was also a registered nurse and he's been doing this for 30 years. so he would get us in in order to make sure everybody was still rolling on time. Well now they don't know where to I don't know dance or, or scream. And so they're bound by the rules of the state, which is they can only take in so many people at a time, which really makes no sense to me. If you if you can get us all in before, you know, even though you were violating the state rules, that was the important thing. We were happy. Now we're all sitting in the, in the waiting room miserable because we're waiting for... It was almost like waiting for a slaughter. Really, really and truly it was. So anyway, like I said, I came home. I complained. But I also... And it always happens that it's Terry that I get, I'm getting down on. And I'm just giving her, I'm, I'm venting my frustration because, and I told her, I apologize for this, but I, I just can't be quiet about this. I said, you guys do this all the time. I said, do you, and I asked her flat out, do you not write these people up when they don't show up because they just don't show up? She says, yes. I said, then what happens to that, that write up? It gets kicked upstairs to the doctors and then the doctors don't do anything. I said, well, there's our problem. It's the people upstairs. It's the doctor that's running this joint, Dr. Masari. You know, this is this tells me flat out they don't care about us. All they care is about getting us on that machine so they can bill us, which is the God's honest truth. It's all about money. It always is. It always has been. It always will be. And, uh... And that's, that's the way it goes. Now. It was a nurse that didn't show up this morning. So when it's only one nurse on the floor. They can only do so much. So it makes me ask the question. A did you get into this line of work. Because. It was easy money. Because the fact that you just don't show up. To, because you don't show up. Tells me that. This is just a job to you. You're not in it for the sake of the patient. You know, you just want to make your money and you want to move on and you want to party on your weekends and, and whatever. You know, I, I get that. Don't get me wrong. I, I've been there. I've been in those that situation. But this is a medical field. This is a field where you care about other people. Because think about it. What if this is your grandmother or grandfather? That's at a dialysis clinic, wouldn't you want them to show up on time so they get taken care of properly? Well, I think I think that's the the answer is yes. I mean, I had many many discussions with uh, with Albert over the way this place was run, and he didn't like the way it was run because he knew that the doctors upstairs only cared about running the business. And you know, this is a really sad commentary on on our medical system, whether it be a cancer clinic or a dialysis clinic, that when doctors become businessmen, the whole hypocritical oath goes out the door. I just That's just the way I feel because we're sitting there waiting, looking at each other, slowly dying, waiting to see if we're going to get called in or not. My philosophy has always been very simple. I get there at 5.30. If I'm not in there by 6 o'clock, I leave. For two reasons, my parking, my parking privilege is going to expire in 30 minutes. And if you can't get me in, and it's just like I told Terry, I says, look, I've been coming here for two and a half years. Only once have I met my chair time. And that was months ago. I said, why is it when Albert was here, none of this, none of this shit happened. She hadn't, she didn't have an answer for me It's because you know, they were afraid of him because he would enforce rules. And if you were if you were rid up 3 times because you didn't show up or you were late for your shift, you got you got fired. It was just that simple. That's the way it should be. You know, you shouldn't be able to go to the boss and say, "Oh, that's your problem. You're the one that uh, decided to become an employee of this place. And so you should show up on time. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're just a low lay technician or a registered nurse. You should be there. This is your job. This is your livelihood. Other people depend on you for their survival. But no, you decided to have one beer too many. Maybe you stayed up to watch the cowboy game. And you said pretty much screw those people at the clinic. I'm going to sleep that extra hour and I'm not going to come in. So now they have to call the other, the senior floor nurse, which is Mario, which is, you call this guy and he says, I'll be there in half an hour. And he shows up at 1230, one o'clock in the afternoon, you know, so that he's just as bad as the other one. I mean, it's like Albert's gone. They hired all the, the dregs back to run this joint. And here I am stuck in the middle with all these other people who, who can't go anywhere else, you know. And you know what? It's not just this place. It's Fresenius, Davida. They all, and I've, hear, I've heard the horror stories from people that go to other clinics. The, the stories are the same. They, we all get treated the same, and that should not happen. This should not happen. Something, things, something needs to change, and it needs to change for the better, and it needs to change in our favor and not for the favor of the doctors or the clinics because they're the ones making money hand over fist, When they bill us $4,000 an hour each time we're on that machine. Because at the end of the month, they're getting $120,000 payouts for Medicare. And I've mentioned before on this program that Medicare, the budget for Medicare, and this is a true fact, you can research this. A third of the Medicare budget goes to dialysis clinics. A third of their budget goes to dialysis clinics. Yeah, you do the math, and somebody's making a whole lot of money. I mean, the 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 doctor that runs the the organization I'm in, in, Dr. Masari, drives a Tesla. A Tesla's a hundred thirty-five thousand dollar car. That car ain't cheap. So he rides in style. Yeah, it's probably a piece. It's a piece of shit electric car. I I, I get that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't drive it. I wouldn't pay hundred thirty five thousand dollars for an electric car to begin with. But uh, that's the thing. They don't care. And and as I'm bitching at 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 the nurse this morning, I told her. I says, look, these people should all be doing the same thing, bitching at you. But they're they're sheep. They're afraid to say anything. I'm not. I, I don't. I, what what's the worst you can do? Kick me out of the clinic. I'll go somewhere else. And you can. Whatever money I owe you, you can shove it up your ass because you're not going to get it from me. You should have taken better care of me is what you should have done. So that was number one. Yeah, well, we started off the month on a Monday in a bad way. It wasn't good. And uh, so that's number one. Number two will be coming up in the next segment. So you've been listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host Ben Hur. Stick around. We're coming back with more stuff for you. Uh-huh. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. And uh, now for part two of what happened today in my life. Uh, okay, so you heard the last segment of what happened to me at clinic. So I came home, filed my complaint, and now I'm here. Uh and then I get a message, uh, a messenger, messenger message from somebody, and I'm like, who's this? I don't recognize the little picture in the circle, so I click on it, and it turns out it's a guy that I knew when I was working the club, he was a comic named uh, Writer Ashton. He's a big old tall beam pole of a guy, he's a good guy, he's a good kid, I liked him. Pretty funny comic too. Um, and the basically the message was very simple. He goes, Hey, I don't know if you've heard this yet, but Leland Deco passed away this morning. My jaw dropped. We called him, we knew him as Leland Deco, that was his stage name. His real name was Ander L. Deco. Um, and he was a good guy. He was my friend. I love this guy. I love this kid. He—I met him probably around, I want to say, around 2015. Uh, he's a guy that started coming out to the open mics when I was running the open mics back at the club on Tuesdays. Uh, he got to know me, and I got to know him. And every now and then, I would watch him on stage, and I would give him pointers. You know, hey, do this, try this. And, uh, well, we developed a friendship from there. He liked listening to what I had to say, and, uh, he was always very receptive to my criticisms. And that's a good thing when you're in this business. If you can open your ears and shut your mouth and listen, you're doing, half the work has already been done for you. Well, that was was Leland. Uh... And, of course, I had all the questions. I don't know what, what he died of. Uh, I, all I know is that he died this morning. Now, Leland was always a relatively healthy fella. I mean, he was a heavy breather because he smoked. So I don't know. I don't know if he had a heart attack. I don't know if he had a stroke. I don't know if he had. If he got the COVID. I really don't know. Um uh, I'm just going by what Ryder told me, and Ryder didn't know much either. All he knew was that his wife, Leland's wife, called him this morning and told him, hey, you know, uh, Leland passed away, and uh, that was pretty much the end of it. So I have no earthly idea what killed Leland. But in this day and age, it's hard to say what it was. I mean, but it could have been anything. Well, Leland was a jack-of-all-trades, He was always working odd jobs to keep his family afloat. I met his wife a couple of times. She was a nice gal, you know. And um, that was the reason for the opening song. I know Leland likes CCR because we would talk about him all the time. So that was for him. And um, actually, um, Leland and I got to the point where I was. We were hiring more people at the club for uh, door staff, so I hired him because he was a good guy. He knew he had a good work, work ethic, and he was always on time. He was always there, and so Leland became just a part of the regular staff, and actually Leland was kind of my go-to guy. If I needed something done, Leland, go do this. Leland, stand here and take care of this, and he did it. And he did it very well. And when it came to have to exercise personal judgment, he always made the right decisions. Which has also impressed the hell out of me because most people I can give instructions to and they don't listen. But Leland was a big robust fella. He had a, he was a character. And he had an on stage persona that I knew that he was probably gonna leave this, this little town and become a big comic. But that's not going to happen now because he's gone. Uh, shit, I already miss him. You know, I missed him when I got fired from the club and I had to leave. That was pretty much the last time I saw almost all these guys. But I had a staff of doormen that were pretty much almost all comics, and I worked with a lot of gentle giants. And that's that's what Lilo was. G- Lilo was a gentle giant. He was a big guy. And he was a scary guy if you if you ever saw him, but he was a night nice, he would give you the shut off his back if it knew you he could help you. So I had him and I had two other gentle giants. I had Jerry Debo Smith. Super guy. I love this I love him too. He's great. Good comic. I he, I know he'll be famous one day. I hope he just never forgets who I am or who I was. And Big Clay Herzig. Seven-foot-tall, giant of a man, probably the biggest pussycat I've ever met. If I, I always think that if uh, Andre the Giant was half the man that Clay was, then Andre the Giant was a, a, just a super dude, too, and I heard that's, that's what he was. So, and Clay's a good guy, too, but uh, getting back to Leland, uh, always on time, always, always willing to help had a great work i think that's that that was my whole thing even when it came to his comedy you know and i was fortunate enough to watch him with just two bits when he first started doing the open mic and he expanded that to a full 15 minute opening set my goal was to get him to open at least a week at the club never got that chance because i got terminated and uh it's been a year since i've been I got fired and i've never I haven't set foot back in that club again I tried to do it once because I needed to talk to one of the managers there but when I got off the elevator and I was walking toward the building the building didn't know me anymore and it just it just looked at me harshly and, and I, I felt it felt angry at me so I don't know and I've never gone back so. I'm pretty sure Leland kept on. And even though because of the COVID, they did away with the open mics simply, simply because of uh, just the physical safety and social distancing and whatnot. But, um, and then eventually when my podcast, Two Guys on the Move went from just two guys, which was me and Matt, and I expanded it to a panel, I had, once again, the same guys. I had Leland on my panel along with Jerry Smith and Drew Blues and we would toss around the topics and I would let them throw their little their little witty comic banter in there just to spice up the, the conversation we always had a good time when we did an episode it was fun you know, Maddie was the engineer he would, he would take care of all the technical stuff and I did all the talking and then Jerry and Drew and Leland would Throw their two cents in there, and it, we always we always had a good time. Leland was a very bright, vivid, and I just love the way that he thought his his thought process when it came to writing jokes. And he always asked questions. You know, what what if I did this and said it like this? I said, okay, what if you said it this way? Turn it around. Let's, let's back that up and turn it around. Take take the make the back the front and just just turn a little joke around, and you might find that it works better. And he was always receptive to the ideas because in this business, you have to be able to listen and you have to be able to take a criticism because you're not always going to have great nights. You're going to have nights where you go up on stage, grab that mic, and you're lucky if you hear uh, crickets chirping because it, it just gets that bad. And it's no, no reflection on you. It's the audience. But then again, there are some comics that I've said, no, it's not the audience, man, it's you. So, but Leland wasn't one of those guys. Leland had a passion for music. He was a bass player. He was a bassist. And he and I shared a passion. He loved to play, and I always wanted to play. And he told me one day that he had an extra guitar. He had a second bass guitar that I could borrow. But by the time I got fired, I just never went back, and I just never saw Leland again until I got the news today. Oh, my God, Leland. I miss you already, buddy. I don't know what happened. I don't know how this happened. And these are the questions that everybody has when they lose somebody close to them. Leland was a good comic, he was a good friend, and he was a good man, and he will be sorely missed on every stage that he used to appear on, with every comic that he used to make laugh, but he's always going to be a part of me, because I had the opportunity to work with him. And that is something you can never take away from anybody. Leland is always with me; always will be with me. And uh, when you when you see people, when you see your friends, say, "Hey, you know, I love you. You're you're a good friend." Those are the things you have to say because you never know when you're ever going to get not to say them. You know, so this episode or this segment is dedicated to, to Andrew L. Deco, otherwise known as Lila Dico, comic extraordinaire. All right, you've been listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur, with a slightly broken heart. Stick around. we got more stuff coming at you. I'm sure tomorrow is going to be a whole new day with a whole new set of challenges. So stick around. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. Uh, Today has been a hell of a day. I'm exhausted. And uh, it just seems I have dealing with nothing but bad news today. Today is November the 4th. It's a day after the election. And there was no clear winner. And now everything's being contested. Biden's acting like he's won, although no winner has been declared. And Trump is already throwing a fit about uh, recounts and whatnot. It's just very depressing. Not to mention that uh, I'm still trying to get over this I don't want to say it's a sickness, it's just, I did it to myself, around the 23rd, 22nd of uh, October, I decided to try and better my situation and all the gas that I have, because of my colon, so I bought a big bottle of Bino. it worked for a few days. I would sleep at night with no noise, no gurgles. And then I started to develop a pain in my right side. And I think it's the pain is where, right around where my liver would be. So I think that... Uh, I think that this medication has affected me somehow. It hurts to breathe. Oh, just like now, I'm trying to take a deep breath and this pain just shoots through my whole side. But it's gotten better because I haven't taken the Beano for, for a day and a half. I think that's what the what was causing my problem. You know, you want something to help you. And in the long run, it ends up hurting you. So now I got to go back to the drawing board and get, find... A, there's, another, there's another medication called Gasex. It usually worked pretty good for me, but uh, I don't know if it's if it's got the same stuff that Bino does, then I'm screwed. I'm just gonna have to learn to live with it, like I have been for the past ten years. And it was so nice not to make any noise. My girlfriend would would lay with me, and she was like, "You don't make you're not making any noise, on Yeah, I know. It worked, and now it's kicking me in the ass. Not to mention that besides the weight of that, the election. Uh, when I was at clinic today, oh, my God. Well, because I missed clinic on Monday, and I told you about that two two segments ago, I came in today. I weighed in at 123 kilos. So I was way over my limit. So I brought in like five kilos. So my technician is always challenging me. You know, he goes, You brought in this much. Let's take, I'm going to take off this much and we'll, we'll worry about the rest on Friday. I said, Okay. He goes, So you, he goes, We can take off four, or we can take off 4.5. And I'm, I'm always an idiot and I'll just say, Let's go to, let's do 4.5. So the machine starts <sighs> and uh, the treatment begins. So I'm sitting there around 8:30 I have to go to the restroom. So, I called my technician over and he takes me off the machine. Oh my god, when I stood up, my back thighs cramped. Yeah, they took off a lot of fluid. That's how you feel it. So, I said walk to the restroom. So, I moved, put one leg in front of the other and I started moving. Try not to wince too much so that people saw I was in pain. Because the minute you they see, they, they freak out. They're like, oh, no, you need to sit down. No, 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 i gotta get this, I got to get this done. So I go, and I sit on the pot. And in the process of doing my business, you push. And I aggravated my abdominal muscles, and then I, they started to cramp. So I'm sitting on the toilet cramping. That's, that's not a fun place to be when you're cramping, on the toilet. So I sucked it up. I do deep breathing exercises and the pain starts to go away. Now I got to stand up and get out of there and get back to my chair. So the command goes out, get up, pull up your shorts, wash your hands and get back to your chair. So I sit there and they finally come back and reconnect me. And uh, I got forty-five minutes left. Okay. I noticed. Oh, to top that off, my favorite one of my favorite nurses there, Terry, tells me today that she's leaving. I can't say that I blame her. That place is they're 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 a bitch to work for. They drain you of everything you've got, and then they still ask for more. and They pay you very little. How do I end up in these places, is what I kept asking myself. I could have gone to Fresenius or Davida, but hey, I figure I'm going to give these guys a shot. They were good at first. They were very, very good at what they did. Now that they moved us, when they closed the clinic on Houston, and moved us all over here to San Saba, it's a bigger clinic, and it became a lot more lax. Ever since Albert left at the end of September, that first week of October, one or two people do not come into work, and that happened this this Monday. You I, you heard about that? If you listened to the first segment, you heard somebody didn't show up for work. So today, there's two people missing, once again. Uh, go figure. And so they were short. So I, got, I, didn't get on, I didn't get on my chair until after 6 o'clock. So now, the nurse asked me, how is my transplant going? And I looked at her, and I just kind of snapped at her. And I was like, it's going the same way I told you the last time you asked me that question. And then I saw the look in her eyes, and I said, you know what? I'm really, really sorry. That was rude of me to come out like that. I said, but just let me tell you, you know, my situation hasn't changed. I can't get back on the list until I fix my hernia, which means I got to pay the doctor that I owe the, for my gallbladder surgery because I want him to do my, fix my hernia, but I owe him money. And I and I and I said, look, right now I'm going to fix income, and this is the worst thing to be on. Uh, Medicare is my only insurance, so everything else comes out of my pocket. I have no supplemental insurance, like most people do. And so, I said, once I pay him off, now I got to pay the hospital off because I owe them X amount of money. But I don't know how that's going to work because they've already turned me over to a collection agencies. So I said, these are my woes. So that's what I mean. You know, you, you, I mean, not, not you specifically, but the doctors are, hey, how's it going with the transplant? Hey, it's not like I talk to these people every day. This is where, my, this is where I'm at. I got to fix the hernia. Then they'll talk to me. Right now, I can't do that. Because by the time my check rolls in, my other regular bills take over, and I got to pay that. And then if, it just seems ever since the beginning of October, I've had one emergency after another. Like the emergency that cost me fifteen hundred bucks for for my broken tooth, and I just cannot seem to get above water. But you know what? That's not my. That's not anybody's problem. but my own. So then, as I'm telling the attorney, I said, "I don't mean to be like sound like a little bitch, but I mean, you know, the, now you this is where I'm at. So now you know. But see, the doctors ask me that every week, and the answer is the same. And all I mean, I can I can snap at them. They're not going to like it." So then she told me her, her woes. That the reason she's leaving is because she needs to go to another job that makes that pays her more than what they pay her there at, at my clinic. Because she's running three households. And I said, three households? How do you do that? She goes, her household and then her two sons. Her sons were affected by the COVID very, very badly. They they they're pipe welders. They work in the oil industry. So when COVID hit, the oil industry just kind of rolled up and closed closed its doors. And there's no work for them. And now the way it looks, she was very upset the fact that Biden looks like he may become president. That means they're going to shut down all the pipelines eventually. And then they'll be out of work for good. So in the meanwhile, she's being a good mom and she's helping them out and she's running their households for them. You know, that's her business, and I said, you know what, I feel for you. It sucks the way it turned out, and it sucks the way it turned out with the election. You know, the, these guys are going to get screwed even more. So that was that. So anyway, there was a lot of people missing today. Johnny, I haven't seen Johnny in since last Wednesday because he got sick. I hope he doesn't have the COVID because I was really close to him on a Monday, last Monday, and um, that would suck. But uh, I hope it's just a flu and he gets over it. He's a young man. He she, he should beat it. I hope so. And uh, so anyway, that's that's been my day. So now I'm exhausted because they took off four kilos, four and a half kilos of fluid out of my body, and I'm feeling it now. I felt it when I left the clinic. Because I was like, I could barely walk. Everything was just screaming a cramp. And I just tried to hold it it together long enough to get home. And it's just been a shitty day. And then all the news I see on the TV doesn't help my mood, you know. Uh, So, that's the way my day went. Was your day any better? I hope so. I would I would assume, yeah, but then again, maybe you had a crappy day too. It's hard to say, but November has not been very good, and we're only four days into it. So, thanks for listening. Stick around, I got more stuff coming at you. I think I got to do one more segment, then we can close this episode out. You've been listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet, although I feel like I should be. Uh, I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around. Uh, Thanks for listening on Anchor Radio Podcast. And we're back. You're listening to the Cherryland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thanks for sticking around. Well, this will be the last segment for this episode. And we start where we left off a couple of days ago. We still don't have a clear winner in the election of uh, Trump versus Biden. Biden has pretty much all but claimed victory in the race, but yet the president is fighting for his political life and is filing lawsuits and is having recounts done. But there are still four states that are holding out, Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia and North Carolina, although I think North Carolina is already done pretty much. Uh, Trump still has a chance to win. It seems that Arizona is going to go in his favor because uh, I believe there is voter fraud going on. Uh, There are lawsuits being filed on both sides in Pennsylvania, and it turns out that Pennsylvania has a very uh, corrupt history of uh, election fraud going back at least 100 years. Uh, Pennsylvania is a Democrat, always has been a Democratic-run state. And the funny thing is, most of the people working at the election sites are Democrats. Which brings me to an interesting point. Here in Texas, at all the places I've voted at, the uh, volunteer workers are very courteous, they're very knowledgeable, and they're volunteers. They do it because they believe in what they do, and they believe in America and our system of uh, of justice and freedom of elections. And they do a very good job, I have to say. My main problem with them is most of them are really old ladies, and they're really slow. But uh, all in all, they do a good job. You know, nobody they, they sign you in, they check you in, they make sure you got a valid picture ID and your names are on the rolls, and then they let you go vote. And you're once you're in the booth, it's it's well, it's not really a booth, but it's it's your time to do what you do to, to exercise your voice as an American. But uh, in other states, and see that's the, that's the problem. Well, it's not really the problem, but it's it goes back to states' rights. Every state runs their elections a little bit differently because it's the way they want to run it. Uh, So Texas is not necessarily going to run as smoothly as, say, Arizona, but it seems Arizona and another contested state, which was uh, another battleground state, which is Florida, seem to be handling their accounts very well. Both of those states are run by Republicans. I wonder if there's a pattern here. Just like in the cities of Portland and Seattle, where people were burning down public buildings and and libraries, though governor and the mayors of both of those cities were Democrats, so I think there's a little something to what Trump's been saying all along. These are Democratic-run cities and states: Chicago, Democratic-run, um, uh, Kenosha, Atlanta, Minnesota, Minneapolis. You know, and we can go on and on, New York City, Washington, D.C., and we go on and on and on. And we see, you don't see this this going on here in San Antonio, where where Texas is mostly a red state. And uh, even though we have a a nerdy uh, Democratic mayor, he does a fairly decent job. And I don't think the chief of police, uh, Chief McManus, is going to let people get up and get stupid Bussing stuff up downtown. But then again, you never know. Antifa is everywhere. And they got feelers out all over the place. And the minute they hear Donald Trump won, then all hell is probably going to break loose. It says, Laura Laura Ingram said, there's not enough plywood on the East Coast to board up every building uh, that these people want to inflict damage on. So... This is democracy in action. It doesn't always work. It's not always pretty, but ultimately we get stuff done. You know, it's not uh, like the guy in China who probably dreams of free elections that'll never happen because one man's in for life, that's Ding Xiaoping. He's going to be please president forever or until he dies same thing in in South, in North Korea with Kim Jong Un. I don't, you know what? I haven't heard his name mentioned in any news reports for the past 4 months. The last time he was near death, his sister or his sister was taking over the country. We haven't heard squat from North Korea since. So I don't know what his his deal is. And then of, of course there's Vladimir Putin who is the uh, dictator elect, I guess, you could say of of Russia. Which was formerly the Soviet Union, but now he's—he's uh, he's pretty much Russia is pretty much a Soviet Union because he's the one guy in charge. He makes all the rules, and he kills people that disagree with him. Yeah, he's got a history, and so this is why people look to our country for salvation, for hope, for a better life. I get it. But you have to come in the right way. You just can't waltz across the border like the way Joe Biden wants it. You, 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 you got to fill out some forms, you know, and then you can come in. And and that's that's the thing, you know. I don't know how this is going to turn out. Trump may still lose. Trump may win. I don't know. But right now, all I can say is that the best thing to do is bite your tongue And let's just move forward. We got enough problems out there with the COVID to worry about. Then we have to worry about busted chads or people being jerks and trying to run away with an election because they don't don't like who the president is. Well, you know what? Life's a bitch. I mean, I've served under people that I did not like at all because they were just jerks. But they worked their way up to that le- up that ladder to get to where they got, and I was stuck with them. You know, it's like those coworkers you have at your place of business where you're just like, God, I can't stand this guy, but I got to work. And then the next, year, you know, they're putting you in the same room together on the same line. You know, they're right next to each other. He's handing you the boxes, you got to seal it and, and, and wrap up. You know, it's like, and you're like, God, I got to deal with this fool for another six and a half hours. Oh my God, and then he won't shut up. About his wife, about his kids, about his dog, blah 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 blah. You know the, you know the people. You know what I'm talking about. The pains and the asses that you got to work with. But this, you know, as they say, every now and then some rain must fall, and it falls on your head, and you just deal with it the best you can. So, here we are, waiting to see how this election turns out. Democracy does work. But like I said, it's not always pretty. And sometimes it goes down the hall kicking and screaming. But it works, nonetheless. This is a, um, I think George Washington and Abraham Lincoln would say, yeah, it still works. It's not pretty, but it still works. So keep on keeping on, America. You sell the best damn country on, on this good earth. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. And so I will leave you with my standard departing uh, shot. Live. Live every day as if it's your last day on this earth. Because it might be one day. And don't you want to go out on a high note? Laugh. Laugh. Laugh at all those around you, everything you see. I'm not saying life's a joke. But you gotta laugh about stuff because it does no good to sit there and cry in your in your milk or cry in your coffee about it. So laugh at everything and then make sure you laugh at that person that looks back at you in the mirror because you're probably one of the funniest characters you'll ever know. Nobody else may know this, but you do. And then love love everything and everyone in this big good cruel world because we're all we got we only have each other that's it yeah i know there's nine billion of us and you'll never get to meet everybody but i'm talking about the people in your inner circle even that person that you work with that you don't like love him or her love your kids love your wife love your girlfriend love her family love everyone And you'll live a better life. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back with another episode. Take care. Toodles.